In uh, today's brief khutbah, I'd like to speak with you about some ayat that belong to Surah Al-Balad. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to express how happy I am to actually have a, an opportunity to spend some moments before the khutbah with uh, Sheikh Mustafa. I want to share a memory with you. This is back in the days of Warren Street in the 90s. It was the first time I actually gave a khutbah in the city. Actually, the second, the first time was uh, on 43rd uh, in the UN. And then I was asked to give a, a khutbah here. And I was extremely nervous. I, I was 19 years old. And the person who calmed my nerves was him. And he said, it's going to be OK. And then, <laughs> but the, he didn't realize the reason I was nervous was because he was there. Because I used to come listen to his khutbahs all the time. And you had to come very early to attend his khutbahs because otherwise you'd be praying on the street. So I used to come extra early to listen to him. And he's one of the, may Allah reward him for all the work that he's done and all the service that he's given to this community and the dedication that he has. Allah preserve him and his health and give the best to him and his family. I'd also like to start by acknowledging and making dua for all of those that have spent so much of their life savings and have made the journey to Hajj uh, this year. That is not an easy journey to make, not financially, not emotionally, not, not physically. Many of them that are older in age that Allah did not give them a chance to go their entire life are going for the first time. Many are waiting for many, many years. And you know, it's, it's actually relatively easier for people in the United States to even go to Hajj relatively. But there are other places in the world where you don't get enough visas and people have to wait 20, 30 years before they can get a chance. And they have to get in the waiting list, you know, when they're maybe 15, 16 years old and they won't get a chance until they're 45, 50 years old to, to be able to go. And that's a reality for people in the world. So those that Allah has given the opportunity to go, may Allah make that a means of forgiveness for them, that all of their sins are forgiven and they have a fresh start when they come back and Allah bring them back home to their families safely and with a new sense of, a renewed sense of Iman and commitment to Allah and this beautiful deen of Ibrahim So what I wanted to talk to you about today is a really powerful expression in the Qur'an. Uh, very short surahs in the Qur'an, they, they say many things, but they say them in very few words. And Surah Al-Balad is an example of that. At the end of Surah Al-Balad, Allah describes a person who did not believe. But instead of saying, Ma aman, he didn't believe, Allah describes not the belief, but the result of that belief. So sometimes I want you and I to think about Iman, our faith, as a seed. And that seed gives rise to a plant. What you see above the ground is the plant, and what is under the ground is the seed. So now Allah is talking about what plant never came out because the iman wasn't there, the seed wasn't there, therefore the plant never emerged. Now what is it that should be the fruit or the plant, the, 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 the flower that buds from this iman? That's what Allah is talking about here by way of an imagery. And the imagery you would think in other places in the Qur'an, this imagery, the result of iman, we would think should be worship. Right? The result of Iman should be, for example, فَلَا صَدَّقَ وَلَا صَلَّى right? So he didn't accept the truth, he didn't pray. Worshipping Allah, have, you know, refining your, your commitment to Allah removing all elements of shirk from your heart, having complete reliance on Allah. Those are all manifestations of Iman. But here, the manifestation of Iman is very different. Like Allah is highlighting a different dimension of what it means to be a believer and He's criticizing the disbeliever. And you would think when Allah criticizes the disbeliever, He's going to criticize their shirk, their kufr, their heedlessness, their sins and all of that stuff. But He's describing something else entirely. And the, the language that He uses is pretty remarkable and interesting. He starts with فَلَقْتَحَمَ الْعَقَبَةِ Very unique 
phrasing in the Quran, it's not used anywhere else. And this phrase is commonly in easy English translations, they'll say, and he, he did not scale or he did not climb up the hill. Right, Al-Aqaba is actually the end of a, 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 you know, an elevated peak. So to scale a mountain or to go up and up and up in elevation, and when you reach the top of it, the muntaha of it, that's called Al-Aqaba. So the edge of a cliff even can be called Al-Aqaba. So that's the first thing, he didn't reach there. But the word used is Iqtiham. And Iqtiham, I'll give you some things about its meaning. It actually has to do with when you go and you enter into something difficult, like if there's a narrow entrance and you barely squeeze in, that's actually called iqtiham. And iqtiham as-saf was used for if people are lined up together and you're trying to squeeze and make your way in, you know, that's called iqtiham. So it has to do with izdiham, it has to do with heavy traffic, it has to do with tightness and congestion. Where is a scene where that happens? I want you to, to use your imagination. People are fighting each other and squeezing into a narrow space, right? So when this happens, for example, when there's a long line at Hajj, for example, and people are trying to get through a narrow passage, right? Or you can imagine there's, uh, you know, people are crazy about concerts or ticket sales or whatever, and they're gonna sell out and everybody shows up early, like, you know, Black Friday in this country, that's, they have about the same devotion as Muslims at Hajj. There are people do, you know, tawaf of the mall and they, they you know, they're, waiting, uh, doing dhikr outside, they put the qiyamul layl, they put their benches outside the store and they're gonna wait for the doors to open so they can rush and the, when they're rushing in and fighting each other, squeezing through the door, that's actually iqtiham and people do that when they are competing with each other for some kind of manafir, for some kind of benefits, right? You, you know, you would see that kind of a rush in the stock market you'd see that kind of a rush in, in the kinds of environments where bidding is happening and people are pushing and shoving to get you know, and this, is, this scene is always associated with people getting something and if I don't get it, somebody else is going to take it. You know, somebody else is going to just grab it. So this imagery is associated with the word iqtiham and Allah uses that word to, to describe his, this image. And this image is this person did not compete with others, whoever Allah is describing, did not compete with others, didn't fight with others, didn't rush to go up at the top of the mountain. Didn't, didn't want to do it, didn't want to compete. So Allah is in this imagery describing something. People are competing for the wrong thing. They're running towards something else. There's a, there's a door open this way and everybody's interested. They're flooding towards it. And there's another mountain up there. It takes an effort to go up the mountain, right? And nobody's making the effort to go and nobody's competing. And the, the, the language also tells you this mountain that Allah wants you to climb and wants me to climb, this one was the, wor the one worth competing for. Everybody should have been fighting each other to reach the top of this one. But they're going in the other direction. In fact, what is that other direction is mentioned earlier on in this surah. He says, I blew a lot of money. Man, you know how much I spent on this TV? Yo, you know how much I paid for those rims? You know how much I got that car for? Yeah, I just got this, the kitchen redone. You know how much I spent on that? Like, they love talking about how much they spent. Love talking about, you know, these shoes, oh bro, don't even ask, you know? They want to make sure people know, okay, this is the brand and this is how much I spent on it. This is how much I spent on the vacation. This is how much I spent on the house. This is what I spent on the car. This is what I spent on this, this suit, these clothes, etc., etc. Always talking about how much money I've blown. And of course, on haram things in the past too, right? On alcohol and gambling and all that stuff. But even other things. 
just loves talking about how much money has been spent, has been thrown out. يَقُولُ أَهْلَكْتُ مَالَ اللُّبَدَى And that's easy, people rush towards those things, right? And they rush towards making money so they can spend the big money. Their dream, man, I want to make this much money so I can make that, get that vacation, get that car, blow money on this, blow money on that. That's what they're thinking about. On the flip side is a mountain that goes up. This is the imagery Allah uses. But there's another twist in this imagery before we unlock it. And that twist is, is very beautiful. In the Arabic language, you don't use la for al-fi'l al-madi. You don't say la, la fa'ala. You say ma fa'ala or you say lam yaf'al. So the expected language is maqtahama. Or you say lam yaqtahim al-aqaba. But Allah says he uses the la. So the Nahwiyun and the Mufassirun started discussing why would Allah use the la here? What is it doing? And there's multiple ways to understand it, but one of them I will highlight to you that la is used for the past tense when there's two of them together. Like fala saddaqa wala salla. It's two la together. So when you say la fa'al, wala nasar, whatever, you put two verbs together, you can put la twice. So they assume there's a hadf here. فَلَقْتَحَمَ الْعَقَبَ وَلَا آمَن Or فَلَا آمَنَ وَلَقْتَحَمَ الْعَقَبَ In other words, this going up the hill, neither did he go up the hill and therefore nor did he actually believe. There's an implicit wording here and you can tell it's there because of the la. In Balagha they call this a tarshih. It's a technique used to make someone think, whoa, what's the la doing here? This is the kind of stuff that disappears in the English translation. You don't even know something special happened here. But it's happening in the, in the language of the Qur'an. So Allah is not just talking about going up a hill, He's saying whoever did not go up this hill failed to show that they actually had Iman inside. The reason that this never came out is because there was no Iman inside. And so much of that can be learned just from the use of the La in فَلَقْتَ حَمَلْ And then Allah Himself says, so what do you think I'm talking about? What is this top of the hill that people should be competing for Pushing each other forward to get to the top. What would give you any idea what that aqaba is? What would that top hill be? Is it is it the hajjud every night? Is it fasting every day? Is it what worship is this? And he starts fakkuraqabatin. In fikak. The word the, the word is used when you grab something from someone that is not letting go. Al-Akhdul Asir they say. You grab, some, like if I'm, if I'm holding on, like you're holding your phone, right? And somebody comes tries to nab your phone off your hands and you've got a tight grip and they're pulling it off of you. This is actually, this act of pulling out of, pulling something out of somebody else's hand, this is actually called infikak. And, or, 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 or the verb fakka. And from it, the word raqaba after, what it means is the back of the neck. This was language used. Raqaba was used for slaves or prisoners of war because they used to put chains on the back of their neck and the chain used they used to use the chain to pull on them right prisoners of war and then it started getting used for people that are buried under debt because their necks are hanging down and when you when you pay somebody's debt off you've released their neck so they can in a sense hold their head up high again they can do that and this became an expression by and large for anybody stuck in a difficult situation what Allah is saying here is the first sign of climbing up the hill is people should have been looking for other people in the, around them that are stuck in a really bad situation. Their neck is hanging low. They're enslaved. And ancient slavery used to be something else. Modern slavery comes with mortgages and credit cards and medical bills and you know, insurance and you know, absorbent tickets. You know, 
Like you, you, you forgot to pay 25 cents in the meter and you got a $250 ticket. That's, uh, and the guy barely makes you know, minimum wage. And there's already already qat al tariq on the on the tunnels and the tolls, right? They're already robbing you without you knowing it. And all of that is actually burying people into debt, burying them in difficulty. They're barely getting by. And to help someone release someone from the from the choke around their neck, that's the first sign. People should have been competing. Who can I help? And this is this is really important because when you and I live in a capitalist mindset. You know what that is? Look out for number one. You better save up because you got to get this car. You better save up because you have these plans. You, 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 why can't you just get that? For, and even people around you, you're about to give somebody some charity and a family member comes and says, what? You don't have kids? We don't have to get a new fridge? We don't have to do this? We don't have, why are you spending on them? No, but they're in trouble. Yeah, everybody's in trouble. Maybe tomorrow you'll be in trouble. You don't have to be so generous, okay? Somebody else can help them. They're not dying. It's okay, they'll survive, right? So well, people will come, or maybe you'll tell yourself, it's okay, I don't have to help someone in difficulty because it's all right, they'll survive, it's okay. You know? Instead, we, making excuses to not help someone, these are the people who would be fighting each other, who's gonna get to help that person first? This is an uphill climb, it's not an easy thing to do. In fact, the imagery was used, like Ibn Ashur says in At-Tahrir wa Tanweer, he says this imagery was used because it's, it requires a lot of mashaqqat al-nafs. It's really hard on a person to get to the point where the way they're competing for things they enjoy, they're competing for giving somebody help. They're jumping, leaping at the opportunity to help somebody. This is a sign of iman. Beautiful words, the first two. He says, or feeding, any kind of feeding. In a day when, in a time when it's difficult, even for you it's, it's difficult to even come up with a full meal, you take that half meal and you cut it into two quarters and you give one of those away. Like he says in another place in the Qur'an, وَيُؤْثِرُونَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ وَلَوْ كَانَ بِهِمْ خَصَاصًا When he was talking about the Ansar. Allah said, they give other people preference over themselves even when they're starving. So this is the second quality he mentions. Just give somebody something to eat. Give them a little bit. You're not going to make them rich, but if you can just share a little bit of help with somebody else. And notice he didn't even mention who. It's an open-ended thing. It'amun. It'amun liman. It'amun li miskeen. It'amun li qurba. He didn't mention. Why? Because there's an openness. You never know who's going to need help. People that could have been doing okay yesterday, and then somebody, COVID happened, somebody got sick, they lost their job, now they can't pay the rent. They don't look like beggars, they look like they did yesterday. They look totally normal. But if you can tell from the look on their faces, something is going on, something's wrong. You know? You recognize those people by the look on their faces. They're, they don't go around begging people. They're not standing outside holding a sign. Any, you know, any money could help. They're not going to do that, they have dignity. So we have to recognize them. And then he adds, who are these people that you should be giving? The first one he mentioned is yatim and the maqraba. The orphan that is in close family relations. You know, you would think Allah would mention the hardest thing first. And you would think intuitively, helping your relatives is easy. Right? The relatives come first. So you would think of your relatives first. But the reality of it is, it's actually a lot easier to give to a beggar on the street, someone you don't know, 
it's a lot harder to give inside your own family because family comes with a lot of politics. Why did you give this one? Why didn't you give that one? How, oh, so you want to give your side of the family. You don't want to give my side of the family. Oh, so you, oh, you think that's, they're, they're worth it? They're, they're, and so you're going to hear a lot. So you're like, you know what? I'm just going to send, wire my money to a different continent. Y'all do whatever you want to do with that. But I'm not going to give my family. Because if I give something in my family, I'm going to have trouble from my in-laws. Or I'm going to have trouble from my mother because I gave my father's side of the family. Or I'm going to have trouble from my father because I gave to my mother's side of the family. And so, and then of course inside family there's also feuds and fights. So when you have fights with somebody, you, have, you fought your uncle, you fought your cousin, whoever. Right? Now that you fought them, it doesn't matter that they're yatim. I hate that guy, I'm not going to help him. Why would I help him? Remember what he said to me that other year? I, I still remember the insults at that wedding. I'm never going to help this guy. You, you hold a grudge. Because you know, the, the, the people you deal with the most are the people that agitate you the most. The people that you spend the most time with are the people that get on your nerves, get on my nerves the most. We can be friends until we go on a road trip. Then everything I do is going to annoy you and everything you do is going to annoy me because we spend more time with each other. Family spends a lot of time with each other. You know, for Eid, we're like, oh, Eid, the whole family is going to get together. Six hours later, like, when are these people going home? Like, you know, I can't deal with this, you know? Because family is hard to deal with. Those are, those, that's difficult relationships. And inside of our families, there are people who need help. Even, doesn't matter how I feel about them, it doesn't matter if I like their personality or not. It doesn't matter what I feel about the previous fight that's carrying on for the last 20 years or the generations. That, none of that's important. This is a difficult thing to climb. You have to overcome your personal bias. You have to overcome your anxiety of what people are going to say. You have to overcome the pressure maybe inside your own family. I have to come over that pressure in my own family and still help someone who I believe should be helped. Regardless of who's gonna say what, this is yatiman dha maqraba. And then, you know, or, so yatiman dha maqraba or miskinan dha matraba. Or even a miskin. Someone, and miskin is an interesting word. Arab linguists say that the, the word miskin actually is a combination. It comes from masaka and sakana together. So it's maskana. It's, it's actually thulathi and thulathi together become rubai. So what this means is someone who's stuck in a situation and they can't get out of that situation. That's what a miskin is. Miskin is not just a poor person. A miskin is someone stuck in a difficult situation. Like for example, somebody was driving an Uber or a taxi. That's how they were making their living, right? And then they developed an eye infection. Now their eyes are not, their eyesight is no good. They can't drive anymore, right? And so now they, they want to be able to work, but they're in a medical situation where they can't earn that living anymore. This would become a miskin, somebody who's stuck and is not able to help themselves out of a situation. And so he says, people that are stuck, they can spiral down to the point where they are the matraba. They are in the dirt. They are in the dirt. What that means is what they're they're humiliated. They're not covered anymore. Maybe they're becoming homeless because turab comes when you're outside and traveling, right? They're losing the roof over their head. These are the people that Allah Azza wa Jal wants us to look out for. And, say, and, and actually compete in looking out for them in our personal lives. I want you to also think about when the Qur'an was revealed. We have to always remember when the Qur'an was revealed. There were no websites where you can say, let me look for a, you know, a charity organization which has pictures of orphans and then I can give 
you know, make a wire transfer, and that's, that's all new, right? When, when these ayat came down, there were no charity organizations that were holding fundraisers for this event or that. Yes, Halful Fudul was there, but by and large in society, you, you had to know your neighbor, you had to know your family. How did you know people are in difficulty? You, you talked to them, you interacted with them, you lived with them, you had a sensitive eye towards those things. So we have to have that kind of connection. This is actually connected. This idea is connected to Silat al-Rahim. It's connected to family ties being together. Like if you haven't talked to your family in a long time, then you don't know what they're struggling with. It's been a few years, you just call them every way, hey, Mubarak, okay, Mubarak, and that's it, you're done. See you, see you in seven months for a you know, 20 second phone call. Then you don't know what they're struggling with. You don't know what their medical issues are. You don't know what their financial issues are. You don't know what, dif what legal difficulties they're having. You don't know not nothing. But back in the day, people used to visit each other, talk to each other, interact with each other. So they knew who's got difficulty, who's got ease. And it even went beyond just the limitation of the family. So, miskin and zamatraba. Thumma kana min alladhina amanu. Then, if they had done all of this, then this person, they would be from those who truly have faith. And they would be the ones that would counsel each other for sabr. Now notice the word sabr here. What does sabr have to do with all of the counseling to sabr? The person in these ayat is someone, if we meet, if we want to climb up this hill, we're helpful people. We're helpful people. And when you're helping someone, then, after you're doing your best to help them, then you get to be in a position to tell them you should have sabr. Let's have sabr together. Well, it'll be okay. Let me give you strength. You can't not do anything and say, have sabr, brother. <laughs> you know, ثُمَّ كَانَ مِنَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا sabr. You see? After this, all of this, now this person belongs to those who have faith. And now they are the ones who counsel to, to ease, to counsel to sabr. Actually, the way to counsel to sabr is coming in the series of these surahs. For example, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he's told, أَلَمْ يَجِدْكَ يَتِيمًا فَآوَى وَوَجَدَكَ ضَالًا فَهَدَى وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرُ You see the connection? He saw, Allah tells His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa He found you to be an orphan. He found you to be an orphan. And later on in the same passage, he says, now when it comes to the orphan, don't, don't be harsh with them. And at the end of that, he said, And talk about the favor Allah, your master has done to you. So when you come to an orphan, you say, hey, listen, I know your pain because I was an orphan too. And you know what? Allah made it okay. Allah gave me support. Allah will give you support too. أَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثِ Somebody who's gone through it can help you. By the way, this idea of people that have gone through the same struggle can relate to each other. This is actually used universally in the world. There are, for example, people that are addicts, they join Alcoholic Anonymous or who have other support groups where people have overcome their addictions and they find strength with each other because they mention, oh, I was able to overcome it. You hear somebody else overcame it, it gives you strength you're able to overcome it also. And then the final word, this is actually what I wanted to really focus on. The reason I chose this khutbah today is because you know, in, in this season, in Hajj season, uh, we're supposed to remember the legacy of Ibrahim salam. And you would imagine I'd, I'd give a khutbah about Ibrahim salam, but I chose not to. But actually it was about Ibrahim salam. 
Ibrahim السلام, at the end of his legacy, he was worried about all of humanity. He was, the kind of heart that Ibrahim السلام, has for humanity, the softness that he has, the care that he has, is remarkable. It's incredible actually. To the point where when angels of Allah come with the command to destroy the nation of Lut, they came to destroy the nation of Lut and they stopped by the house of Ibrahim السلام, first. And Allah chose to record that in His Quran. This is the same Ibrahim السلام, who when Allah told him, if qala lahu rabbuhu aslim, qala aslamtu li rabbil alameen, I surrender. I don't, I'm not arguing back. When Allah told him to slaughter his child, inni ara fil manami anni I see in my dream that I'm slaughtering you. If Allah tells him to jump into a flame, he'll jump into a flame. If Allah will tell him to slaughter his child, he'll slaughter his child. If Allah will tell him to leave his family in the desert, he'll leave them in the desert. But when he saw people are about to be destroyed, he's worried about the people. When the instruction is to someone else, he's worried about them and he's arguing, He's debating. He's, he wants them to be forgiven somehow. Can, can, can there be some people who believe among them? Can they be spared in some possible way? Is that at all possible? This is Ibrahim salam. If you study his du'as, if you study his prayers in the Qur'an, he's praying for all of humanity. فَجْعَلْ أَفْئِدَةً مِنَ النَّاسِ تَهْوِي إِلَيْهِمْ He's referring to an-nas, all of humanity. And so believers in these ayat, what are they supposed to be? After, ثُمَّ كَانَ مِنَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا it's as if those two things come together and the, the climax of it, of it all, the muntaha of it all, the aqaba of it all is actually watawasaw bil marhama. That's the peak of it. That's the, that's the top of this peak. And which is what? They counsel each other with and to al marhama. Marhama comes from the word rahma. Love, care, consideration. Like, you know, I know, I, I lived in this city, so I know, look out for number one is the way to go. Even when you drive, you're cutting somebody in, because if you don't, somebody else will. When you're getting into the subway, you're going to push yourself in. Everything is about you, you better watch out. Everything's about protecting yourself, and yourself, yourself, yourself. And you know what that does? Over time, it makes a person jaded, so they don't see the difficulty of anybody else. I, I can't care about that. You could even find to the point where somebody's lying injured on the street and a thousand people walk by. Nobody even stopped. Nobody even looked. This, this is the level a person can reach. Because they see that all around them, their own heart becomes hard. But the, the, the iman, the struggle going up, is to keep the heart soft towards other people's struggle. This is why the climax of it, And these are the people who counsel each other to keep their hearts soft to show mercy, to show care, to be empathetic, to try to understand where somebody's coming from, to understand their difficulty. You know, and I, I'll add something. Allah Ta'ala A'lam, when I think about these ayat, especially the, the freeing of the neck, when I think about that, right? The, the expression was used classically for people that are stuck and they are in the grip of something, like the grip of the debt collector, the grip of the slave owner, the grip of the prison guard, Right? And they're not being let go. And you have to tr tr figure out a way of freeing them. We are living in the age of addiction. There are people that are, that are gripped by their addiction to pornography, or their addiction to social media, or their addiction to drugs, or there are different kinds of addictions now that are just, they're getting a hold, addiction to gambling. People have lost their homes because of their addiction to gambling. 
They're like, they hate themselves. I don't even want to go. I don't even know why I go. I don't even want to go to the bar. I don't know why I ended up here all the time. They're, they're, they're crushed in these addictions. And our, our marhaba, instead of saying, oh, look at this guy, he's drinking haram. Yeah, he's doing haram, but why is he doing it? Help him out. We need to have marhama. We need to figure out how to get this person into rehab so they can lose that addiction, so they can find themselves again. If this person who's fallen into any addiction, any addiction, if that person was beyond hope, if they're just, you know, fuel for Jahannam, then Allah has no reason to keep them alive. Anybody who's alive means they have hope. You see? There's, there's purpose for them to be above the ground. If there's no hope for these people, Allah doesn't have to keep them alive. You see? Allah even says, لَوْ تَزَيَّلُوا مِنْهُمْ لَعَذَّبْنَا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْهُمْ عَذَابًا أَلِيمًا In Surah Al-Fatih, He said, if, if the believers, those who have hope in Mecca, were completely separated from those who are hopeless cases, then we would have annihilated those who disbelieve. We would have annihilated them. Allah didn't even annihilate Fir'aun. He told Musa السلام, go, maybe he'll turn around. He told him that. So we, we, you know, part of marhama is not giving up on somebody. Part of marhama is not just labeling somebody and saying they're done. That's it. This, this guy, oh, you don't know. He's got an alcohol problem. Oh, this guy does drugs. This guy did this. This guy did that. This guy has a criminal record. This guy went to jail. This guy did, and once they've done that, or this woman has done that, this mistake, that mistake, now they're labeled by that mistake. Now they, they are forever living in that mistake. Our Rabb is, you know, Rahim. And he's teaching us in these ayat, part of our iman. The closer we get to iman and climb this hill, the more compassion we have for people. The reason I wanted to highlight this is that it's interesting that for many people, they think the, more, the closer you get to Allah, the closer you get to Islam, the more committed you are to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, the more you have to become tough. Right? The tougher you have to get. Uh, yeah, we, we're tough about what is right and what is wrong. We have to be tough about that. There's no way around that. But you don't have to be tough with people. You have to, be, you have to show rahmah to people. And you have to understand what you can do to help them, to get them up, to pull them out from their difficulty. And that's what these ayat are about. That's a difficult hill to climb. Because it's much easier, it's way easier to just pass judgment on someone and let them go. Right? That's much easier. You know, just use that and just I've done. I'm done. I you know aqamtul hujja alayhi so I, I, I established my hujjah on this person. I gave them my, you know, I gave them my amr bil ma'roof and nahi al munkar. I slapped them across the face with some ma'roof, you know, and now I'm done. Now they can. Now it's between them and Allah. No, we have to care. You have to genuinely care. May Allah Azza wa make us people of marhama, like was envisioned by our father Ibrahim alayhi salam. And may Allah Azza wa once again accept the hajj of all of the hujjaj and an early. عيد مبارك to all of you. بارك الله لي ولكم في القرآن الحكيم ونفعني وإياكم بالآيات والذكر الحكيم.